0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And uh, to you listening wherever you are tonight, WWLradio.com app. Another big show. These are all going to be big shows the next month, month and a half. But this one is especially big for a few reasons. One, and we're not going to talk about this until hour number two. We're going to talk All Saints hour number one. But the lead it's the headline on every site that I went to still about 30 minutes ago, the leading story, David Griffin absolutely unloading on LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in his time there. I just wrote a piece about this. My thoughts, you can find it, a lead piece at WWL.com that David Griffin unloading on LeBron James and the Cavaliers. It wasn't a Sports Illustrated article. We'll talk about this in the second hour. Frankly, I can't wait to talk about this because everything that David Griffin said about LeBron and about the culture that he brings around him to the NBA – that has followed him from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, and out of the Los Angeles Lakers. He is spot on in my mind. Spot on. Pulled no punches in this. I mean, you don't often hear a, a sitting general manager in the NBA crush another franchise and player like this. I mean, it was brutal stuff. There's, you know, there's. There's some sugarcoating of it in there saying, oh, yeah, LeBron and I still have a good relationship. <laughs> but, I mean, this was absolutely brutal stuff. Hour two with that. Hour one, though, lots of Saints talk. Michael Thomas back in training camp and everybody glad he is there and the kind of the party line. Who isn't glad that Michael Thomas isn't there? Let's be honest. Drew Brees said it. Sean Payton said it. Teddy Bridgewater said it. Tron Armstead said it. Everybody said, oh, yeah, it's good. We're glad to have Michael Thomas back. And, yeah, he's important. Had to be here. Signed the $100 million contract yesterday, and Thomas is in camp. I actually don't know if he's actually got inked to paper yet, but the deal is done, and he's in camp. John Hendricks will be on the show in, well, eight minutes from now. Managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles. We'll ask him about that. Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. A little later this hour as we go around the NFL, hit some of the big camp storylines. Definitely want to ask him about Ezekiel Elliott and Julio Jones. Is Julio going to get that contract before camp starts? Hour two, we told you. First half will be about David Griffin and his comments on LeBron. Second half of the hour, we got a special treat for you. Tim Rebo, head coach of the Nickel State Colonels. He'll be on the program to preview their season. And, yes, they are favored to win their conference that'll be pretty fun hour three we go out to vegas it's the return of ralph michaels at wagertalk.com is it that's time of year again yeah it's it's betting time sports betting time he'll join us and then ben mentz professional better and poker player from shreveport also a radio host there he'll join us at the bottom of that hour so that's our show but the lead today locally with the saints of course is michael thomas Coming back. Now, he was off to the side most practice. He was hitting the jugs machine right after practice, probably caught, I don't know, 50, 60 balls there before he stepped up to the podium. And look, he he said everything we thought that he would say. He's, He's glad to be back, glad to have this behind him. He did talk about the most difficult part of him being away. I thought it was interesting. Here's Michael Thomas. And, you know, that's why Michael Thomas is special. One of the many reasons he's special, but one of the main reasons. He realizes that time at camp with your teammates, your other receivers, your quarterback is important. And it needs to be there if he wants to have another season like he has had his first three years in the league, those record-setting years. We know Drew Brees, very excited to get his number one target back in camp. And he talked about why Thomas in camp is important, the specific reason why he wanted Thomas back in camp right now, the heightened level, making his teammates better, his other receivers better, and I think he'll do that now that he is. Uh, well, he's back in back in camp for the Saints. Now again, he wasn't practicing uh, really today. He was off to the side for the most of the time, at least the part that we saw. But it's nice to have Michael Thomas back catching passes eventually from Drew Brees. It is the. Official start, I guess, of the NFL season, preseason anyways, tonight. It's the Denver Broncos and Atlanta Falcons in the Hall of Fame game there in the second quarter. And Saints fans, you'll be glad to know, and the Falcons are getting shut out. It's the Broncos 7, Falcons not a 413 left in the second quarter. Uh, box score tonight, uh, no Matt Ryan, you kind of knew that. A lot of starters aren't playing in this one. And this is why they need to get rid of at least one, if not two, preseason games. It just drags on too long. You don't need four games to evaluate the guys who are littered around the core of your roster. Most of the players playing in this game for Denver and Atlanta, remember, they have five preseason games because of the Hall of Fame game, so they get an extra one. Most of these guys won't even sniff not only the rosters with the Broncos and Falcons, they won't sniff an NFL roster, practice squad, if they're lucky. Here's a text from the 985. The Atlanta Falcons didn't want the Saints to get Michael Thomas back. Well, of course. No team. If they're being selfish from a selfish perspective, what franchise wants Drew Brees to have that weapon? <laughs> so, yeah, the Falcons don't want him back. It's like saying, well, the Saints don't want Julio Jones playing in Atlanta. Well, it's obvious. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll as we'll talk LSU and they're ranked number 6 in the initial USA Today coaches poll which team has a better chance of winning a championship this season we talked a lot yesterday about how LSU is rising in the minds of these national talking heads and and really the guys and gals who cover college football on a daily basis Coming to the conclusion recently, that LSU championship contender, playoff contender. So which team has a better chance of winning a championship this season, the Saints or LSU? Today's Saints training camp interviews and prime cuts are brought to you by the Sound Banking, a first American bank, a banking tradition since 1910. You heard Michael Thomas and Drew Brees there. A little later this hour, I want to get to Teddy Bridgewater because the backup quarterback for the Saints, he was in front of the microphone today and given a lot of praise to the entire organization, and especially his head coach. Some interesting audio, second half of the hour. We're going to take our first break, though. When we come back, it's John Hendricks of Canal Street Chronicles. We'll dive into Saints camp a little bit as the last lap gets started on WWL. Well, it took a quarter and a half, and we have our first challenge of pass interference in NFL history. Just happened. The Broncos challenged a pass interference call on one of their defensive backs, and the call stood. So as anticlimactic as that was, there's the first one. We'll be talking about this a lot as the preseason and regular season goes along. Look, I will tell you again, the first four weeks of the season, four to six weeks, I don't think we're going to be able to escape this storyline. It's going to lead everything on Mondays after the, the, the Sunday games are complete and that night. It's going to be everywhere. Everybody's going to be whining and complaining about it one way or the other. There's just too many of these calls that are so close that one fan base is going to see a pass interference call one way. The other one's going to see it another way. The national talking head's going to see it this way. Uh, you know. Peter King's going to see it another way. And then you're just going to have nothing but chaos <laughs> the first four weeks of the season. Now, sitting where I am, I guess it's going to be kind of fun. We're going to be covering it. going to give us a lot to talk about. I don't think it's going to be that fun when we're actually watching this games because it will be inescapable. But there it was, first one in the books, and I guess you can mark down the Denver Broncos for doing that in the Hall of Fame game, and again it was overturned. Let's bring on in John Hendricks, the managing editor of Canal Street Chronicles, to talk some Saints camp. Michael Thomas was out there today. John, how's it going tonight?
2: Doing good, man. It's kind of shocked that they took all of ten seconds to review that pass for call, too. <laughs> I, I,
1: John, I, I, I don't even know what to make of this yet. Other than it had to happen after what happened in the Superdome in January, but. Maybe it is it is the case of be careful what you wish for because, oh boy, I mean, are we, we going to be doing this on, you know, four times a game, more than that maybe?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I try to make light of the situation, but I said – you know the ironic or thing that's going to happen is is this is going to come down to a game where it it just totally jobs the Saints and then we're going to be like oh my gosh what the heck happened but uh you know you hope it doesn't uh, affect the game like they think it will but you know after what happened last year uh, last season in that title game I mean they said clear and obvious and I mean you watch the replays you look at it from every angle as clear about as clear and obvious as you could get so. Look, if they got to get it right that way, I think uh, you know was the way Roger Goodell stresses the integrity of the game. Then you have to factor in things like that.
1: Yep, I guess you're right. So Michael Thomas at camp, uh, John. Everybody's saying glad to have Mike back. Drew saying his other receivers needed to have Thomas back, and, and I guess everybody's kind of echoed that, right? That it is really important to have Thomas, especially this year in the camp.
2: Yeah, look. I think uh, you know everybody was optimistic that this would get done, and obviously the Saints, you know, extended some goodwill, making right on on Will Lutz, their kicker, and, and signing him to an extension, doing Cam Jordan an extension, and you know Michael Thomas. Look, I, I think he has uh, plenty of arguments there of not wanting to take it. They take the field. I mean, look what happened to AJ Green in Cincinnati. Now he's going to probably be out for six to eight weeks. Just depends and miss some regular season time. So. Look, I don't think you can blame Michael Thomas, you know, getting south of $1.5 million this year, and now he's a lot richer, but look, he's always going to be an important part of this offense, whether Drew Brees is around or not, uh, just because that's the player you get with Michael Thomas, but him and, and Brees have something special, and look, that wide receiver group had a chance to kind of to prove themselves a little bit without Thomas in the lineup, and now he's back. He's definitely the clear-cut number one guy, and uh, everybody else has to kind of get in line and try to play up the level that he does every day. Well,
1: it's interesting you mentioned the other guys we were able to see, John, because we've seen standout days almost from all of them. Certainly Emmanuel Butler when he's been out there. Keith Kirkwood has had a couple of nice days. Traquan Smith seems to be developed a lot further than he was in year one. You think this this group around Michael Thomas is going to be good enough where they won't have the problems they had at the end of the season last year?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring the end of the season up because, you know, Kirkwood had a good stretch on there. Traquan Smith had a good stretch. But I I think back to to 2017 playoffs and against the the Vikings and obviously last year and such. And I think that's a huge miss that these these receivers, they were able to show out a little bit and show up a little bit somewhat in in the regular season. But when it counted in the playoffs, you just found receivers that just could not get separation, could not be on the same route. It was a lot of... uh, alvin Kamara and michael thomas in the mix so look no matter who they go with you know the thing is you, you know you're going to get what you're going to get out of the regular season but when it counts the most you're going to have to get these guys uh to, to just go to another level in the playoffs kind of like what michael thomas did i just he turned it up just another notch and for some of these guys uh you know the Traquan smith keith kirkwood uh whether it's emmanuel butler whether it's Richard uh, rashard matthews another intriguing guy that's in camp um They have got to make sure that these guys are uh, tip-top shape when it comes to
1: playoffs. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're chatting with John Hendricks, managing editor and author at Canal Street Chronicles, at John J. Hendricks on Twitter. So a lot of the national talking heads, John, and I know Colin Cowherd made the rounds uh, this week, especially here locally, uh, predicting. And in Colin's defense, he's been right the last few years when he predicts these things. Uh, are these national talking heads right, or are we going to see an unexpected you know, downfall decline from the Saints? Well, look,
2: I mean, these national talking heads have, said that drew Brees has been in decline since he's turned 35 so you know i mean that's just uh one of those things you know i, I get it because you, you and this is kind of the same talk we had last year right the saints were never supposed to get over the minneapolis miracle but they did and they made the nfc championship game i mean you know obviously the way that things played out this this past season that's even more of a sour taste in my mouth obviously because you you had a trip to the super bowl lined up and that was it and uh you know, I, I just feel like with Sean Payton, what he preaches with his, his team uh, is the resilience factor. And it's not just fluff. It's true. I mean, you see these guys that really take take issue with it and they want to do a good job. And I think this young nucleus is very hungry and wants to make sure that they send Drew Brees out, you know, uh, with bells and uh, give them the royalty treatment and all that good stuff. So I feel that, you know, maybe success won't come as easily this season because they got a a pretty interesting schedule especially coming out of the gate but look I still think they're some of the favorites to get where they need to go and and make a real run at the Super Bowl
1: Yeah, and people I guess in my mind John they're acting like well these players are robots they're not supposed to remember at all what happened to them in January the guys who were here it just it seems unrealistic to me right I guess it's just Trying to put that behind you. I mean, I don't look. I've never been in a situation like that, like they're going through. I suppose so. I don't exactly know how you deal with that, and, and you know, put that in the rearview mirror.
2: Yeah, I look. I think uh, if a player like Marcus Williams can put it behind him, then I think some people can can do stuff like that too. It's just, you know, I think you gotta obviously, you know, you can't just forget about that elephant in the room. And obviously, when they meet the Rams in Week Two, that's all you're going to see is that particular play. and, and over and over and over again and obviously they're going to have to watch film from the championship game and just different things so look I think as a player deep down you understand that there's going to be a little extra juice when it comes down to to playing that game or doing anything with that but uh, you know playing sports I I played hockey a good bit when I was growing up and I've had been on those type of just heartbreaking defeats or whatever and you just got to Go out there, do your thing, and, and just hope for the best and, and make sure you, you try to put it past you.
1: What else is standing out to you at camp, John?
2: Uh, I think Jared Cook is, is a big guy to dominate the storylines and just the way he's been gelling with uh, Drew Brees. I think with the Eric McCoy, you want to see a lot more from him. But, you know, I think what he's doing as a rookie coming in and kind of, trying to solidify himself as that starting center has is, is been encouraging for sure. Um, you know, I think those are the two biggest, biggest things right there. And, and uh, I just feel that, that with Jared Cook, it just brings just that element to the offense. I think that you see it from fans, you see it from media that, that there's so much excitement about jared cook and it's just one of those that you're like no you're trying not to get ahead of yourself you're trying not to be like oh jimmy graham blah 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 all this other good stuff but he's just bringing an element that's been missing from the saints passing game and you could just see it all unfold and it's really going to be exciting to see how they attack with him and bring him to the offense and uh you know again we mentioned eric mccoy he's going to be a big part of how that success is going to transpire
1: it's easy to see why everybody gets enamored with Jared Cook. I mean his physical tools are are pretty remarkable the size the strength and he and he's kind of charismatic even when he's up at the mic. I understand why wherever he's been John Jared Cook's kind of been the talk of of those camps,
2: yeah, and look, I mean this is a player who hasn't really been on an elite offense and had an elite q b and uh, you know the Saints' vertical game. Whatever they they want to to do, they have a guy that can really stretch the field. Somebody's reliable. Um, obviously, when you lost Ben Watson, it was just kind of one of those. Well, you got your veteran presence, a tight end that can it really be a, a good good uh, option for Drew Brees in this offense. But again, you see. Jared Cook in coming in that he's just going to be that guy. And, and he's a veteran. He's been around the league. He understands how things work. And, you know, his mindset mentality. Yes, there's charisma there. And he's also... Very humble and extremely uh, about working and working the process and making sure he improves and perfects the process. And that's ultimately one of the reasons why the Saints found a perfect pairing with him.
1: He's John Hendricks, managing editor of SB Nation's Canal Street Chronicles covering the Saints. Find it there, his coverage, all camp lawn and on Twitter at John J. Hendricks. John, appreciate the chat, man. We'll do it again. All right, man. Appreciate you, Seth. All right, we'll take a break for news when we come back. I want to talk just briefly about Teddy Bridgewater, who was up at the podium today. Says he feels wanted by Sean Payton and the Saints. Interesting. I saw a text here from the five hundred four. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's an interesting. It's an interesting text. Someone saw Zion eat forty six slices of pizza. Dude's a legend already. That's the text that comes in. All right, send me the link of that, and I'll look. 46 slices of pizza? That's got to be a world record. Logan, look, look it up for me. What's the world, world record for most pizza slices eaten? I, it can't be much more than 46. I'm, a, I'm calling fake news on this text. <laughs> I'm calling fake news on the text. 46 slices of pizza? How big are these slices? I guess you could slice them real small. I could probably eat 46 slices depending on how small they were sliced. Text from the 504. Y'all really think LSU can beat Alabama? Very doubtful. Can they? Yes. Am I predicting it? Uh, no, I'm not predicting it. No way. I'm not predicting it anymore, ever, until it happens. I don't care. It's not going to happen this year where LSU is favored. If they are favored whatever year, next year when it's back at Tiger Stadium, I will not be picking LSU to beat Alabama until they actually beat them. Logan, uh, what's the what's that record? Uh, the record I found was uh, set by Joey Chestnut at 40 and a half slices in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's absurd. absurd. Yes, yeah, so can we We're it's fake news, right? this text fake news. I suppose you could do really small slices and I guess we could do it. There I was. mean, I, I guess that would count technically, yes. Yes. I, there's got to be some Guinness standard for how big the slices have to be. I suppose, right? Yeah. When they're doing these kind of things. You know, regulations and stuff. Right. Yeah. There's a food competition regulations, which I would know nothing about. i never i never had a desire to competitive eat, although I'm a, I'm a big guy, Logan, and Logan shaking his head. Doesn't sound like he did either. Teddy Bridgewater was at the podium today, and a couple of weeks ago, I guess not a couple of weeks ago, it was about a week ago, exactly, when, when Sean Payton was asked about Teddy Bridgewater, I forget who asked the question, but Sean mentioned that, now he was in the Bahamas with And Teddy's agent was in the Bahamas. They weren't there together, but they found out, hey, we're actually in the Bahamas. Let's go meet and try to get a deal done because Sean Payton really did not want to lose Bridgewater in free agency. Bridgewater had an opportunity to go to Miami, possibly other places, and at least compete for a starting job. But he decided to come back here and play backup again to Drew Brees. Now, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL wouldn't have made that same decision. He is getting paid $8 million. He does have a chance to learn under Drew and learn with and under Sean one more time. Those are certainly factors that led him to come back here and a chance to chase the championship ring. And we know it's a cushy job, making that kind of money, being an NFL backup. Maybe cushiest job in sports, right? But feeling wanted. Anybody who's been in a situation, in a job, in a relationship, when you feel wanted, it just makes all the difference in the world think about you know a girlfriend a boyfriend that you've had or even a fling and those times when man this girl this guy really likes me and then the other times where you're like man I really like this girl I really like this guy but they don't really like me back you know we're together but it's just it's interesting same thing with a job if you're in a job and your bosses are praising you they say man we really love having you around you're doing great work you're going to feel wanted you're going to feel more part of the organization you're going to want to be there rather than being in a place that's well i don't really like the work that you're doing now get back to work why are you slacking off you're taking too many breaks taking too much vacation another sick day what do you do nobody wants to work in a spot like that and teddy bridgewater he's wanted by the saints he's wanted by his teammates and most of all he's wanted by his head coach yes yeah, so it's spectacular to have a leader, a boss like that. I know why Teddy Bridgewater wants to come back there when you have a guy that's in your corner when he's on vacation searching out your agent going, I got I to gotta go meet because I want to bring this guy back into our building again. Special stuff. Text from the 225, I haven't heard many people make this point, but having the Rams rematch in week two is a real positive for the Saints. It gets the Nola no-call rematch behind us early in the season. Yep, I agree with you. they have said that. No, well, Maybe you haven't heard me say it, but I have said it many times. It is positive, although that, that first four games is brutal. Texans, Rams, Seahawks, just that stretch. First three, really. Thank goodness. I'm with Bobby Aber. If they get out of that first four games two and two, they've set themselves up pretty well. I know it's interesting to think a team that comes off a 13-3 season, number one seed, one play away from a Super Bowl. You're saying two and two, that's where the bar is? Well, if you look at that schedule and you look at this league and those teams, that is kind of the bar. Well, every WWL Saints fan, you can be a VIP, and that's why we want you to experience the new Saints VIP tailgate that we're going to have at Benson Tower. Listen to Sports Talk every weekday during training camp, and you can win your pair of tickets to that Saints VIP tailgate. And here's what you get. Three hours before kickoff, before Saints home games, we're going to start it up. All-you-can-eat-and-drink, premium open bar and delicious buffet from Food Network Celebrity Chef. Aaron May. It's going to overlook Champion Square. If you've been to Benson Tower, it's right there. Just steps from the Superdome. Does not get better than that. And also, uh, fans' first take with Steve Court and myself will be there, too. Yeah, we just got told that yesterday. So listen to Sports Talk with Bobby Deuce and Christian every weekday during training camp. And when you hear Cam Jordan's cue to call in, you can win. Call 504 260 wins That's 504 four six seven and then they'll take a caller number nine apparently number nine because a uh, drew Brees there to win again saints vip tailgate at benson tower every home game from our partners at bullseye event group and saints radio wwlam fm and dot com just a quick note that game tickets are not included in that let's get to one phone call derrick and gonzalez welcome to the show
0: hey Seth. how you doing tonight
1: man i'm good what's up Derek?
0: Hey, I just We had a discussion at work today, you know, about, you know, let's move on from the no to no call. I got a great feeling about this year. And I'm thinking I hope the Saints don't get caught up, you know, and worrying about, you know, what happened last year. You know, it happened. We didn't get the call, so now we got to move on because that window of opportunity with Drew Brees is closing. So I think that we're going to be really focused and positive. I'm not worried about the no call. I don't even want to talk about it no more. I just want to go out there and win. And I want to show everybody that we can bounce back strong and that this city is very resilient.
1: And that's the hope. That's the hope, Derek. Appreciate the call that they don't focus on that no call. That's why I heard Colin Cowherd on his show this week say the Saints are dudes who come crashing back down to earth because he doesn't believe they've moved past it. Here's what I told people that I've talked to about Colin's statements. We'll find out if he's right or he's wrong. Right now, he's just giving his opinion. Maybe one you don't want to hear, and hopefully he's not right. We'll break. We're back with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. We'll go around the NFL as the last lap continues on WWL. Hall of Fame game moving pretty quickly. They've reached halftime, and a guy named Kirk Ben Kurt. I will give you bonus points if you know where he went to school. He's a rookie undrafted guy. Uh, I guess he was actually last year when he was undrafted. Uh, yeah, Kirk Benkert, leading passer for the Falcons, 112 yards, has a touchdown, 7-7, as they reach the break. Let's bring on in Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports NFL columnist there. Uh, Frank, welcome back to the show. How you been? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I've got to ask you about this first ever defensive pass interference review that took all what, about 15 seconds uh, to actually uh, get sorted sorted out?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I will admit to you, I'm not watching the Hall of Fame game. I I did skip that one tonight. So I don't blame I don't you. No, know, but I I hope that yes, exactly. Others are others are writing about that game, so I don't have to. <laughs> thankfully, but you know, it's this whole passer interference thing. I I just remember a year ago this game, and we were making the biggest deal out of the helmet rule. This was going to ruin yeah. the NFL. We were going to, like, every single game is going to be bothered by the helmet rule, and it got called, like, four times during the season. So, I'm hoping the pass interference rule is going to be similar. And it's just a little overturned if it's a you know, the will be Like, if it's some of those kind of plays, a little it I can't. NFL where we're parsing like, oh, well, you know, Marshawn Lattimore's hand was on DJ Moore's shoulder for a half a second as the ball was in the air. Now we got to call it. I don't want to see that happen with this rule, and I hope it doesn't. I hope that there's some discretion involved where we're not just frame by framing every single play. Because you can, you can call pass interference every single play. It's like holding. You can find holding on the, every play in the NFL. Let's leave this for the egregious calls that, you know, keep the Saints out of the Super Bowl, plays like that.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're in line with Sean Payton, who told us a couple of days ago he doesn't believe it's going to be a big deal at all. And he actually thinks challenges might go down because coaches are saving it for that one big PI review. Are most people inside and around the NFL in agreement with Sean and with you that, hey, not going to be a big deal that fans and a lot of the media are making it out to be?
0: you know what i think it's split basically i think some teams are either preparing for or worried about that it's going to be a, a strategic element you know you're going to to almost wait for that challenge where you can throw it and say hey go look because we're going to get this call because hey, like again you call pass our on a lot of different plays quarterbacks contact receivers many many times so I think that there's that worry that a smart coach like Belichick or like Sean Payton, somebody like that, is going to realize this and kind of use this in a in a way that, that slows down the game. But technically, they're going to be right that hey, you can call the interference on that play, go and go and review it. I don't know. I, it's just. I hate to put the NFL in a position where they're using any kind of discretion because they're generally going to screw it up. Uh, They just – they screw things up when you give them too many things to think about. So I I hope this turns out well. I hope this is one of those rules that's kind of implemented on a common-sense basis where we're not just doing ticky-tack stuff. It's just for the obvious calls, but – We'll see. I, you know, again, it, trusting the NFL to get things right when it comes to this is usually a fool's <laughs> errand.
1: That's a good point. Uh, Frank Schwab's a columnist covers the NFL uh, for Yahoo Sports at Yahoo Schwab on Twitter. And this morning, about seven o'clock local time, Frank, you released some power rankings on Yahoo Sports, but not your typical power rankings. I love this. You ranked the holdouts and which ones would have the biggest impacts and. A lot of people might think, oh, it's got to be Zeke, right, now that uh, Michael Thomas isn't in camp. No, you have some other guys ahead of him. Uh, which holdouts right now do you think are going to have the biggest impact?
0: You know, and, and the reason I didn't put Zeke number one is just because he has to report. I don't I don't think there's any wiggle room here. He, If he doesn't come in by August 6th, he doesn't get the third season. What's he going to do? going to the camera on a free agency another year? Another year of prime. It's just nonsensical if he holds up a and loses this year, and pushes for fantasy back another year. So, uh,
1: Frank, hold now. We got to, and this is our uh, Frank. Hold, this is our fault, probably not yours, uh, Logan. Just get Frank. We have a really bad connection that's going in and out, and sometimes this happens with our I Yeah, try to maybe call him back. This is our fault, not Frank's at all. Probably most likely, we've had this uh, just a little bit. I want to hear. I want to hear that full answer because that was so good on why he doesn't think uh, Ezekiel Elliott um, is going to. Continuous holdout. It's kind of the same situation. Remember Michael Thomas, we told you, had to report by August 6th or this would not count as a year of service in the NFL because well, that's the rules that have been collectively bargained. Now he could report and then continue his holdout in other ways. But, yeah, August 6th is that hard date, and we're just we're less than a week uh, away from that. And, uh, Frank, we got Frank back. And, Frank, I was just explaining uh, the August 6th. We were going through the same thing here with Michael Thomas. But, yeah, you think that he will report Ezekiel by August 6th because you're a service. He wants that.
0: I, I just I just can't imagine another way this plays out. I really don't. Like, I just – it just would be nonsensical for him not to report. I, I think the Cowboys understand that. I think the Cowboys realize we have all the leverage here. He's got to play this year. Well, Maybe, you know <laughs> – maybe things things change in a year but right now he's too far away from it he's got a report I just and and maybe he's not happy maybe it's not the best thing that you're asking an unhappy running back to carry the ball 350 times but he's kind of stuck and that's why I don't think that's going to end up being a big deal I think J- Jadavian Clowney is the one that you know he's the biggest name out there who really this might really drag on this might be the Le'Veon Bell situation I think that Le'Veon has always given a path to guys and he has said look there's a loophole here, and if you want to take advantage of it, you're not going to... If you don't like this... If you really, truly don't like this franchise tag, here's your way around it. So, I don't know that that's going to happen, uh, but he might be traded. I mean, again, a year ago at this time, we all thought Cleo Mack was going to play for the Raiders at some point. Well, he got traded. I, I think that that's really on the table for the Texans. I, I just I don't know how t- the Clowney situation is going to work out, and that's why I kind of have that as the one holdout slash injury that's happened that that really could impact the playoff picture.
1: Okay, now I'm going to have my ears at the ground watching to see if any trade rumors come out of this. That would be that would be incredible. Uh, the Chargers also have a couple of guys, and everybody's on this Chargers bandwagon again, Frank. They have a couple of guys. One who's got a medical condition, uh, left tackle Russell Okung, and then. Melvin Gordon's holding out. Is this going to linger for those guys?
0: Yeah, you know, the all kind of thing, I just hope he's healthy. Like, that was a really scary thing from what he described. So you you kind of hope that he's going to be okay and be their left tackle. They need him football-wise. They, they need their left tackle. They, their line was already a little bit of a mess. Without him, it, it might get really bad. As for Melvin, look, I, I'm a Wisconsin alum. I like Melvin Gordon. I've watched him since college. I don't think Melvin Gordon has any leverage right here. I just think he's a very good player. And uh, there's only about a handful, and Alvin Kamara is one of them, there's only about a handful of running backs in the NFL who are, are irreplaceable. Like you're a foundation guy in the offense. I think the Los Angeles Chargers would be just fine if they had to turn Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. I don't; they're not Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's a Pro Bowl player, but I think those guys can produce similar stats at a fraction of the cost. So why would you pay Melvin Gordon thirteen million dollars a year? I just, I don't think it's smart business. I, I wouldn't pay Ezekiel Elliott. I wouldn't pay Melvin Gordon. I just don't think that running back their second contracts. It's just not a good investment. It just we've seen time and time again these guys. Maybe they get that, you know, they play through the five years of their rookie deal, and then you're you're going to hit a wall pretty soon after that. So when I look at Melvin Gordon's situation, yeah, he's a good player. They'd rather have him in for sure, but I don't think the Chargers are sitting here saying, we need this guy in camp. I think they're saying, we can play hardball. <laughs> Melvin, if you want to come into play, that's great. We'll even come, to. we'll give you $10 million here, that's fine. But if you don't want to come play that's that's fine too cuz we have Eckler and Jackson and they're going to be okay. I just I just can't see where Melvin Gordon has leverage.
1: Here. And we'll be going through this same thing next year when Alvin Kamara enters the final yep. year of his contract. Remember no uh, fifth year option because he was not a first round pick. I, I before we uh, we get to let you go I'm Always love to get outside the bubble thoughts on uh, stuff that happens here in New Orleans. Michael Con- uh, Thomas just signs this record-breaking contract, $20 million a year. S- and from a franchise's perspective, from the Saints franchise's perspective, front office, smart decision to pay a wide receiver 10-plus percent, that much money of the salary cap.
0: I mean, I just don't know what choice they had to be honest. I, I think that he's just one of those guys. You-, you-, you pay him, you figure out the rest later. And the Saints seem to be on this kind of pay-as-you-go program, you know. They're, they're kind of living, uh, to, to use a layman, like check to check at this point. Yeah. I think we all realize that when Drew Brees is done, there's going to be a, a lot of salary cap mess to clean up, and I don't blame them. I, I'd be trying to get Drew Brees one last ring, too, and they've obviously come so close the last couple of years. I just don't know what choice they had, to be honest. Like, when it, you know, Michael Thomas is sitting here saying, I want 20 million dollars a year you kind of say well okay what are we gonna do well, he's he had the leverage and he used that paid and good for him he's a, he's a happy of a player I think that, he's one of those guys that you know when he plays hardball with you you kind of say okay we you you win your Michael here's 20 million a year and you just you just figure out the cap for all that.
1: Yep, yeah, That's what most people around here thought, too. Kind of, a, I don't know, lose-lose or win-win, depending on how you look at that glass. Uh, Frank Schwab, NFL columnist, covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports at Yahoo. Schwab, find his work on Yahoo Sports Online. Frank, always appreciate the chats, man. Enjoy camp. Yep, no No doubt. All right, we'll take a break. It's your calls now. We'll have them rest of the hour, 504-260-1870. Line them up, 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan's behind the glass. The last lap, kind of just getting started here. Two more hours on WWL. Tomorrow, WWL First News presents a compelling series that, well, continues tomorrow. The man who claims to be the most prolific serial killer in the United States says he murdered at least five women in Louisiana during his more than three decades of strangling victims across the country. This week, WWL's Tom Perumian brings us a series of stories about Samuel Little, who he killed, and why he killed, and more about his local victims. You can join WWL First News at the top of each hour from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. tomorrow for photographic memory, fatal fetish that series if you miss it live you'll be able to check the stories out online at wwl.com and the radio.com app again that's by wwl's tom perumian about samuel little tom does a fantastic job there and with the news department let's go to the phone lines steve in Homa wants to talk some saints with us steve what's going on
0: hey how you doing sir
1: i'm good steve mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was wondering uh, what you think about Grace and uh, how you feel if you think he's going to make the team. And has he been practicing catching the
1: Catching what? The courts. I mean, he uh, but yeah, he is. He, yeah, yeah. He's taking he's taking snaps as a punt uh, returner and kick returner, Steve. But I asked Sean Payton about this a couple of days ago, uh, specifically about the returner spot and the, the competition there. And he point blank told us they're not going to be able to find out too much during training camp. He's going to have to wait until game situation. So you can expect Cyril Grayson to get a big opportunity and many opportunities, kick and punt returns, I think, once it all starts. Uh, Marcus Sherrills, they brought him in. From Minnesota, nine years there. And when you spend nine years in the NFL with any franchise as a return specialist, you're pretty darn good at it. And Charles is here now, although he's 32 years old. From a receiver perspective, after the first couple of days, Steve, we saw Cyril Grayson uh, catch some deep passes from Drew Brees, beat the defense over the top a couple of times. Haven't seen much from him in the past game since then. But it's got, we're going to keep an eye on, no doubt about it. In fact, I, I think if he's if he's able to show that he can either win or maybe be the main backup in those returner roles, that's how he's going to make this roster. If he can maybe play just a few snaps on offense, try to take the defense, uh, top off the defense on a couple of plays, and he can give you something in special teams, that's his path to this roster. Not that I'm predicting it, but that's his path. It's a good question. Thanks for the call, Steve. Let's go to Mitch and Destrahan. Mitch, what's going on?
0: Hey, Seth, how you doing? I'm good. Um, so my
2: question to you was about uh, Latavius Murray, because I heard earlier today, I, was, I mean, I haven't been really keeping up to the, the running back situation has been kind of unclear to me. Um, I heard he, got into, uh, he has a little injury or something over training camp. He,
1: yeah, he's got he's got some, uh, what is it, a bruise or soreness in, in his legs. Uh, I think it's his uh, a hamstring is what somebody was telling me. I could be wrong about that because the Saints uh, don't release anything official. So this is all hearsay. And I, this is off the top of my head. I know it's something with his legs. I can't remember exactly what. But he was off to the side at camp today, but he was not participating in, in, in the main drills, you know, 11 on 11s, that okay. kind of stuff, Mitch. So yeah. it'd be, it'd be, it'd be because, something I'm concerned about.
2: Yeah. Um, and another thing was, uh, you know, about that running back situation. I think a lot. Of, I don't know if anyone's overlooking him, but I think um, Sean Payton said something about uh, Dwayne Washington. He did earlier. I mean, that that I went to that Carolina game last season towards the end
0: where he had like a few of those big runs, and I'm like, he is like the way he runs just reminds me so much of how Mark Ingram ran with us. And so, you know, I'm thinking, do you think he
1: could? possibly start a few games this season uh, I wouldn't go that far with Dwayne Washington Washington is kind of like Grayson and then I think he's got to be productive on special teams if he's going to make this roster unless you get to a situation where Murray's hurt and they're just in, in a dire need of a running back to back up Alvin Kamara uh, he is only 25 years old but he hasn't carried more than what twenty seven? He's a twenty seven carries last year, twenty carries the year before that in Detroit. Not going to come back, come in and be a featured back. But Sean Payton made a point to highlight Dwayne Washington, and whether he did that to send a shot across Latavius Murray's bow, you never know. Sean's prone to do stuff like that. Next hour, we're going to talk David Griffin unloading on the Pelicans, and we'll do that right now on WWL Radio Facebook. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.